This Glorious Mess. G'day and welcome to This Glorious Mess, Mamma Mia's podcast for parents. Every week, Holly Wainwright and I talk about the glorious mess of parenting. See, like, we could pretend we were great at it, right? (laughs) And it was really easy and it just went just smoothly, or we could talk about it how it really is. So that's what we endeavoured to do. My name's Andrew Datto. I've got three kids. They're perfect. Perfect. When they are, and when they're not, they're just normal. And I'm Holly Wainwright. I'm an editor at Mamma Mia Women's Network, and I'm mum to Matilda, who's five, and Billy, who's three. Coming up on this glorious mess today, millennial mums. They document everything online. They dress their babies up. They give their children Instagram accounts. We secretly like to think they're silly. But today, (laughs) we meet a Generation X mum who wishes she was way more like the young ones. And also, remember Jimbaroo, Andrew? Yes. Remember Jimbaroo? Did, are you, were you? Are you a Jimbaroo? <laughs> no, I was never that organised. But that's old school. <laughs> There's a new wave of baby fitness activities, Andrew, and new parents are planking over it. Pilates. Pilates for babies. For, like, toddl- not toddlers, babies. babies. Working on their core. Pilates. It, it's a thing. <laughs> but first, in parenting news this week, ultrasound parties. Have you heard about these? Ah, uh, look... <laughs> I read about it. I, I did, yeah. Yeah, what happens is you invite your mates over to come and see your ultrasound. Um, these days you can buy a Doppler, which is like the little machine that you you know, you know hold over the, the belly to see the pictures. You can buy one to have at home. Some people do that. Some people with high-risk pregnancies or some people who are just really worried also do it. Um, and they buy those. And so you can come over and you can watch the ultrasound happening. Um, this... Could be a good idea, could be a terrible idea. Is it te- no, Sorry, I can't even pretend it could be a good idea. It's a terrible idea. For a start, nobody gives a stuff about your ultrasound picture apart from you. Yeah. How many times... Uh, do, you remember when that, um, do you remember when the 3D ultrasound pictures first came out? Oh, yeah, and they're a bit spooky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want it. I don't want that one. <laughs> that looks like a weird yeah. Play-Doh monster. Yeah. Um, it's just fraught with... Now, think back to how paranoid you were during pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And then imagine they've given you a Doppler machine so you can listen to the heartbeat of your baby. And so you, there it is, you know, whatever it, it does. And then for some reason you can't find it or the, the machine runs out of batteries. Even the professionals find it hard to yeah. find it sometimes. And you, I, I can't imagine, like, you know, if a, if a baby is the world's second greatest waste of time, or time spender, I, don't, I, I mean that in the best possible way. Imagine if you had a machine where you could listen to your unborn baby, the thing that you love more than anything you've ever nearly had before. And any sign of anything going wrong would be a disaster. So exactly. I can't imagine a, any doctor would go. That's a good idea. Yeah, great idea. I know, it would make you so anxious. But I think also, I think there's two things. I think, A, yes, that's like an over, that's like just asking for over-anxious parents. But mm. I think the idea of inviting your mates over to look at your ultrasound, it must be like the the idea of getting them over to watch to look at your holiday slides times about a 1,000. Nobody cares. <laughs> like, I don't know if this happens to you, but I work with, I've worked over the years with lots of women and people like to show you their ultrasound pictures, right? Which is great because I'm always very happy for them. So I look at their ultrasound pictures and I'm like, yeah. oh, so cute. The photo, so though, just the photo. Yeah, the photo. But they all look the same. It could be my ultrasound picture. It could be your ultrasound. Well, maybe not yours, yours, but like, it could be anybody's ultrasound picture. I don't know. So nobody cares about your ultrasound. This is womb. So if you check out wombwithaview.com.au, that's, that's the site where they have. And it's the whole ethereal, 
we're going to, I mean, and they play, and there's music on the video and everything as well. So it just, it does, did make me giggle when I looked at the site <laughs> going, there's this woman with this massive belly and a blue scarf and it's trailing in the wind. And, and it's just, it's just weird. But oh. let's not forget, it's the most significant moment ever for many, many people. It is, but it's your significant moment yeah. and your partner's significant moment and probably your mums and a few family members who are all excited, but not your friends. They don't give a stuff. Well, they're happy for you, but mm. they're, like, not going to sit there trying to work out if that's a toe or a hand or an ear. Like, yeah. really? Anyway. I, I think it's a business opportunity well, it is. That's for true. someone. It's a bit like Pilates, but we'll get to that. Now, this is the most possibly dangerous question I've ever asked in this room, and I'm not really expecting an answer, but do you have a favourite child? <laughs> Apparently, if you have more than one child, you do have a favourite child. And apparently, for all of us, it's the same one. It's the first one. So a piece in the Huffington Post this week reported that researchers from the Brigham Young University, which is in the US, interviewed 388 families and where parents were married and they had at least two siblings who were in early, early and middle adolescence. They went back and interviewed them twice a year, every year for three years. Yep. And they asked them questions like, how are they doing at school? And do they have friends? And all these things. And what they found is that the answers were skewed. They all, No matter how the kids were really doing at school, the parents always thought that the firstborn the, yeah. was doing better than the secondborn. And no matter how many friends, friends they had, the parents always thought that the firstborn was doing better. And... They're saying that it's not necessarily true that the firstborn was doing better, but, but the parents the have a more favourable view of how their older well, kids are doing. Yeah, the perception of that is that that they're, they're doing better, and then the second one, because the first one may have done well, the second one should do as well. Yeah, it may well be doing as well, but they just have better, higher expectations of the second than the first. Yeah, I mean, you've got two kids. Have you got a favourite? Do you look oh, at them and God. go, "Oh God, I really, really, I do not ever want to be accused of having a no. favourite child." But the thing, but. but no, no, I don't. There is a but in that sentence, but it's not about having a favorite child, but it's about the fact that kids do different things at different times, right? Obviously, right? So if your kid is five, as my older one is, and they are very verbal and expressive and finding out all these things about the world and they talk to you all the time, then you might, there are maybe more stories you could tell about them or more experiences yeah. that are going on than yeah. with a little kid who's still very much about, you know, like mashing things into the carpet, for example. <laughs> So I can kind of see how that would happen. And and I really think that parents, most parents do not have a favourite child, but parents will say, I have a favourite child depending on the day. Like, I like that one better yeah. today because they're being less of a brat and I like that one better this because, you know. So I think that that's possibly true. But whether or not firstborns are always the excellent one. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I think it's very hard to quantify. I think it's, you know, well done for them to, for trying to work it out. Do you think that it's partly about the effort? Like you were talking yeah, a few yeah, weeks the ago about... The, fir the first one is so special. And also that you really, you really care about their school reports and how they're doing and yeah. everything. And then by the second one and the third one, maybe you're just like, well, of course you're just doing as well as Johnny. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh, well. Well done. <laughs> Good for you. And the first one breaks all the ground, which is a really interesting point for for siblings from oldest to youngest, that the younger sibling often, often, you know, gets teased or something because the older ones are learning social abilities and sensibilities with family. I mean, that's where you learn all that stuff. So they might, you know, keep the bottom one, the youngest one down. I mean, we have a thing in our house. We say, Felix, you are without question my favourite son. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're my fa Bibby's my favourite oldest daughter. Jasper's my favourite youngest daughter. They're constantly trying to get me to say, "You're my, I'm your favourite daughter, yeah. Dad." I go of the youngest. 
<laughs> You're my favourite daughter with hair that colour blonde. I mean, they want to know exactly. if there's a... But then there's not. Because I think kids always think there's a favourite child. Yeah, but there's moments you want to you be with them all and there's moments you'd like to, you know, stop the car and you might just pop out now and I'll keep driving. <laughs> and what the hell? I mean, it's just normal. Do you reckon you're one of five, is that right? Yeah. Do, do, do you all think they were favourites? Uh, yeah. Because I think kids a... always think that they're a favourites, whether they were or not, right? Uh, yeah. Just, well, and even as we're now old, you know, like Lockie's the youngest, he's 45, we still reckon there's favourites mm. and non-favourites. So it doesn't end. It's a perpetuating thing. I think that we're all obsessed with yeah. whether or not we were the favourite. And yeah, Lockie always gets that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, why does Cam get that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sit there at Christmas dinner and you go, oh, oh, I can't believe it. You know, you gave our kids jocks and socks and they got jumpers. It's crap. <laughs> it sucks. So basically this never ends. No. It never ends. Okay. If you see a parent doing something you think is silly or irresponsible in public, would you – I think I know the answer to the question when I'm asking you this. Would you take a picture of it to share it with the world? Yeah, well, you know, embarrassingly, I'll write columns about stuff that I see from time to time mm. and then feel shame afterwards. I know. Right. Well, apparently you're not alone, right, because you might not be posting them to social media, but mum shaming, as it's being called at the moment, is reaching new heights. So there was a piece about it this week online that was discussing a woman. A woman was snapped carrying her five-year-old child, like in a baby yeah, carrier. Yeah, like a baby Bjorn, right? Yeah, is that what like that was? Yeah, like an oversized one. Right. Like, oh, Right. And they had, a, and someone took the picture and posted it online, and were and was like, "Look at this! This is ridiculous." And another woman was breastfeeding, which is what this is a very common one. Was breastfeeding somewhere where the photographer thought she shouldn't be breastfeeding, took a picture of her, posted online. This is ridiculous. And then everybody piles on the internet nature of the pile on, where they're all like, "Yeah, yeah. that's outrageous! No, leave her alone!" And it just <laughs> escalates. Seriously, what's wrong with people is my first instinct. But then does it have a place to call out bad behaviour? Well, who says it's bad behaviour? Who says it's bad behaviour to have a five-year-old in a, in a baby Bjorn? Well, oversized. I... <laughs> who says bad behaviour to have a kid on a... it like that, it sounds kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, like, who cares? What, like, who, why do I even care? It's got nothing to do with me. I shouldn't, it's just something to look at. Hmm. So that's what it effectively happens is you see something that's not absolutely within the norm, and then you go, oh. And because we, we've got to have opinions about everything, we just have to, you know. Do. Like, don't even start me on people texting in while they're driving. Like, it just drives me nuts. So would you take a picture of somebody doing that? No, I, I go, oh, put phone down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I yell at people. Like, you yell at them in real through, life. Yes, yeah, through the window. <laughs> don't passively, aggressively shame. Just shame, shame. shame. You know, like, we're, it's, it is whatever it takes to get through most of the time. God, seriously. I know. People, get over it. But I think that one of the things is we all, it's true we all like to have an opinion and we also like to validate whatever it is we're doing. So presumably the person who took the picture of the person who was carrying the baby's like the, the five-year-old was thinking that that was ridiculous because I made my children walk when they were one and they never got mm. in the pushchair after that or whatever it was. Sure but it was there could have been reasons why that five-year-old was being carried. There Easily. could have been lots of reasons yeah. and we don't know what they are. Yeah, it's the same thing when you see someone pull into a handicapped spot, right, and you go, ugh. And they, and they get out and they can walk, but they've got the sticker. And but you, and you, don't you know. have no idea. There could be all sorts of things going on there. Yeah. So, I mean, we should hold our outrage, but then in another way, it's fun to have a little bit of outrage. But we should hold our outrage. I was going to say, I was, <laughs> sometimes it's just really funny. I know. It's, it is, sometimes it is funny. Things are funny. You've got to have something to look at. 
It's glorious mess. Coming up, the baby fitness regime we can't quite believe. But first, millennial mums, otherwise known as the Gen Y mums. Mm. For a long time, Generation Y have been copying it for supposedly being lazy and entitled in the workplace. People love to have moan about that, talking about things we like to moan about. That's mm. and, and, top and, of the list. And really, that's really what the, this glorious mess is about most of the time anyway, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. looking, looking at other people and talking about them. Well, of course, because we live in a community. Yes. Now Gen Y are getting criticised for their parenting. Apparently millennial mums are vapid, shallow and mar- narcissistic. They have the mental age of two-year-olds. They use their kids as accessories, are stupid and immature, and, of course, they're appearance-obsessed oversharers. Um, Melissa Hugzilla is a writer and blogger and a mum of two boys, and she wrote a piece for Mamma Mia defending Generation Y mothers because they apparently are being told that they are um, too appearance-obsessed, that they use their kids as accessories, they're stupid and immature and all these terrible things. But Melissa says that we could do, us more grumpy Gen X-style mums could do with learning a few lessons from Gen Y mom. Is that right, Melissa? Absolutely, yes. Um, It's funny, as I was reading through um, the list of sort of traits and looking at all the pictures of them, I have to admit I was getting a little bit twitchy myself because it's so different to... (laughs) to my style of parenting, and it, it wasn't until I started reading the comments that I, I just saw this outpouring of judgment and bile, and I sort of took a step back myself and actually examined my own sort of prejudices as well. I thought, you know what? You know, this is totally unjustified. It's, it's, it's hard being a mum, and we need to sort of celebrate the, the positive things that they're bringing to parenting. Absolutely. So, Melissa, how old are your kids? My kids are five and three. Now, would it be really rude for me to ask you how old you are? So I'm 38 now, so well, I'm definitely not, feeling my age. That's not late. I had my kids even later than that, Melissa. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> You're a young mum. But tell me, what sets apart a Generation Y mum? You know, they live online mostly because they've only ever known a world that had the internet. So they feel very comfortable sharing freely um, pictures and information about their children and, and setting them up with social media accounts. Yes. Yes. So um, do you think that Generation Y, like the, the way that they are, I mean, I, I have to say that I'm Gen X through and through, but I do share pictures of my kids online, probably just because I'm a show-off. Do you think that they have got the right idea to be so proud of their kids and to be very much like, you know, look at me, we're doing this, life's still fun, life's still exciting? Yeah, look, I think it's great. I think they bring something really positive and fun and exciting, and I kind of, I'm a little bit further down the track than my kids, and I, I, that weariness has kind of set in, the initial rush of joy and enthusiasm about having these wonderful little creatures around has sort of been taken over by this constant sense of weariness so you do kind of start to take them for granted and I love that the millennials everything seems to be new and exciting and adventurous and I have friends who just sort of brim in with love and joy for their children and it's actually quite refreshing to see in my news feed you know people tend to moan a lot on Facebook so it's really quite refreshing so you think it's that positivity that is that is a good is the best side of it I think the positivity and there's a sense of open-mindedness as well, I think, um, that comes with that, and a sense of optimism that I think maybe Gen X, I mean, it's, it's hard to draw broad generalisations, but I think Gen X tend to be seen as a bit sort of cynical. Yeah, we're, we're a grumpy mob. Yeah. But aren't they kind of annoying, these Gen Y mums, with their, like, matching tutus and their, like, look, even, as you say in your, in your story, even a trip to Bunnings is exciting. Like, isn't it kind of annoying? <laughs> look, sometimes it is. Um, I'll be honest, sometimes it is. And I think that stems from my own envy a little bit, that I'm a little bit envious that I may have lost a little bit of that sense of adventure and joy. 
But do you ever feel like, can't you do anything without an audience? Like, isn't, couldn't you just, you know, get up and spend the day with your kids without having to show everybody how much fun it is? I'm one of these people that can go and spend a day out and not touch a camera, or, you know, not take a single photo. And I, I do struggle to understand that, actually. There is that sort of cynical part of me that, that wants people just to go out and be in the moment a little bit. I think there's definitely a, the sense that people do create their own highlight reels. And there is a bit of an element of keeping up with the Joneses as well. Are you tempted to be a bit more genuine in your parenting? Like, for example, I know that you're a really good cook. Is that true? You're a really good baker. Are you not (laughs) tempted to constantly be posting, look at this amazing cake I made for my boys for their birthday? (laughs) Are you like, you need to embrace that side of yourself, Melissa. Yeah, I think I do. I think I'm a bit too uptight. And you know what? I'm getting more uptight the older I get as well. And I can see it. That's the worst thing. I can actually see that about myself I'm getting more stodgy and uptight the older I get and I would love to to loosen up a little and let go but um I, I just don't know it's just not me I guess one of the things you see all the time in the media and the culture is Gen Xers having a whinge about Gen Y and going oh and there's the young people and oh they're so shallow and oh god they're just uh, they don't and I think it's actually really nice for us to be able to go you know what we should be a bit more like them And I think that's gone on for for all of the generations. I think the older generation has always sort of been critical of the one that comes next to it. Wisdom, Melissa. We have the wisdom. The wisdom of years. Wisdom is good, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for joining us today. Melissa Hugzilla is a writer and blogger. What's your blog called, Mel? Uh, Hugzillablog.com. Yes, go check it out. It's great. All right, thanks, Melissa. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Holly. Bye. Bye. This glorious mess. Holly, do you remember Jim I do. Is it your Jimbaroo mum? I wasn't, but I was a little bit too lazy for that. But quite a few of my friends were all about Jimbaroo. I know what it is. Yeah, well, it's now officially old school because there's a new wave of baby fitness activities that new parents are planking over. <laughs> planking, planking over. over. So my kids would basically have a stronger core than mine. That's uh, not right. No, it's not right. <laughs> and it's actually not right on both counts because there's no way they would. You. Well, yeah, my body is a temple. It is. <laughs> That people would be planking over. Yes, <laughs> you'll clearly. Be, you'll be well out before that. Now, on the face of it, this seems like a great idea because baby would be able to be put in positions to extend and stretch and manipulate. But babies manipulate. are very flexible anyway, Andrew. Yeah, babies so they could flexible. do even more. You could have a truly gifted baby Pilates class. <laughs> They'd be shaming us on the yeah, Pilates front. I think it's interesting. So it's called apparently it's called Playlates. And there's like an app you can do. And it's so that children who are little can learn all these like stretching and coordinating and rolling over and building their back and core muscles. But really, babies do that anyway, right? Mm. Is it just another sort of money-making idea? Someone's gone very cleverly, very cleverly said, I know, hey, listen, let's do baby Pilates. (laughs) Baylates. Playlates. Right, my theory about this is this, right, is that if you're doing Pilates, if you're downloading the app and doing it or whether you're taking your kids to classes and doing it, you're doing it for you. You're not doing it for the baby. Because I think that what happens, a a reason why a lot of parents, mostly mums, let's face it, who are home with little kids, end up doing all these structured things, Jimbaroo, baby music, books and play, whatever. Mother's group. Yeah, so you've got something to do. Because looking after a baby is very time-consuming and difficult and you kind of need these, like, full stops in your day, right? Now it's time for Jimbaroo. I'm going to go there and I get to talk to her and we'll have a coffee and the baby will roll around and then I'll go home again, like... 
Is that you just it sounds it sounds kind of pathetic, but I was talking to a friend of mine who's a new mum recently and she and she's a very new mum and she was saying how she never thought that getting out of the house and down to the post office would feel like an achievement. Yeah. But in the early getting days, out of your jammies. Exactly. Would be an but in the early days of parenthood it does feel like an achievement. But then as you begin to get the hang of all that stuff and you it's like you and the baby and you're spending this time together, but you've got to do stuff, right? Otherwise yeah. you're just gazing at them. So if you go well, at three o'clock we'll download the Playlates app and we'll have a roll around and we'll do our stretches and we'll rah, 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 like and that's that amount of time. It's like you've kind of you filled your day. Yeah, but you, so you put it that way, and I think it now sounds like a fantastic idea. And if you do it with yeah. a, uh, do it in a group, go, come, uh, Sally, Rhonda, Steph, <laughs> come around. We're doing play live. Is it, it's, like, could be great fun. Well, it could be, exactly. So I think that, like, from that point of view, but I think that what we shouldn't do is really kid ourselves that we're doing it for the kids like it's not like because kids will roll and stretch and do all yeah. those things anyway like as soon as they're going to start doing it they're going to do it and when they we all know that when babies start crawling they suddenly are like different they're off creatures and they're gone and they're exercising yeah. it's amazing so i don't know that we they need structured activities i think the parents need structured activities they need that so i was re- listening the other day and to this woman who was saying that she prescribed her she got her eight month old baby into a music class that was costing her 250 dollars or something for this and mm. i was like that's not for the baby like uh, the baby can bang say? a pot or pan well, she was like, yeah, no, I need something to do. Oh, okay, myself. fine. But that's great, though. Like, if, maybe that, that would be the way to pitch it then. Mutually, mutually beneficial. Yeah. Okay. Nailed and failed. Nailed it. 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 You nailed it. So, Andrew, this week... I got shamed by a stranger at the playground. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, really? Talking about shaming. They didn't take a photo of me and put it online, though, which is good. Yeah. But I was, and this is a fail on my part, because so I'm there and Billy, I'm there with my Billy and he's like doing whatever he's doing and I got distracted. I may have been, I wasn't on my phone, Andrew. I was not on my phone. I think I was either looking for Matilda or look, talking to someone. Anyway, a woman tapped me on the shoulder and she said, excuse me, have you seen what your son is doing? Mm. And I turned round, and Billy. <laughs> anything could have happened after that sentence. Yeah, <clears throat> what <happened> was, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. He was. There was a dog tied up on the other side well. of the fence. Just yeah. on the other side of the fence, there's a dog tied up. Yeah. And Billy had a biscuit, and he was sharing it with the dog. It was a little dog, so he'd give the dog like let the dog lick his biscuit, and then he'd turn and put it in his mouth. Beautiful. So cool. That's beautiful. And the woman was like disgusted and she said have you seen what he's doing he's giving the dog a biscuit and he's eating the biscuit and i was like oh shit (laughs) isn't he generous (laughs) it's interesting how some people find that like disgusting i know but uh, well it was kind of disgusting um, he was very happy he would have been there doing it for five minutes if i hadn't of course when the woman alerted me i rushed over and went that's terrible he would never do anything like that i i don't know what's happening here quick Quick, we better go home. I think it's funny though. Some people get like anxious about that sort of like it's not. Billy will be fine. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I think it's funny that the woman seen what yeah. You seen what he's doing? Yeah, yeah. We had a culinary fail. Oh, epic. We got, what happened? Oh, I like growing vegetables. Yeah, oh, and good. fruits and things like that. Nice, you know, and chilies, and uh, just decided not to uh, check the heat of the chilies, uh, and just cook with them. And um, made a beautiful fish curry. Yum. Um, 
Well, not everyone likes fish curry. <laughs> <laughs> but, in your but house. But you know, sometimes you go, well, because they're all old enough to eat, you know, one meal, that's awesome. it. No, I'm only cooking one meal. Yeah. So, uh, so I cook this beautiful was ling. I put some um, prawns in there as well and, you know, and then some chilli and I thought, oh, God, another one, like two red ones on the thing. So I put them both in there, cut them up, all Such in. Such a bloke thing. Who does that? All the chilli. <laughs> On. And no one could eat it. <laughs> and so I cooked this. There I goes all the it. fish. I know. And I was sitting there going, wow, it, was, it would have been delicious had it not been so hot. So it was like a, became a scrambled egg night or a boiled, <laughs> scrambled egg for some, boiled egg for others. And, and I'm sitting there with this thing, eating it, sweating, like sweating, just oh beads of, because where the hair used to be, the sweat just balls up, you know, like beads, <laughs> like on a car bonnet. So, <laughs> So like Someone come and write yeah, that name in yeah, your head. Yeah, wash me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Oh so, yeah, okay. Failed. failed. All right, before we say goodbye, I need to tell you about one of the best things I've heard this week. I think this woman could be part of the messy family. You know, Jessica Rowe. Yeah, the Jessica Rowe. The Jessica Rowe, newsreader, author, presenter on Studio 10. Well, while she's very polished on camera behind the scenes, she has two young girls. And when Sarah McDonald spoke to her, she admitted that sometimes she thinks she's the worst mum in the world. If you would have had, I mean, you may have had the night that I had last night where I could not get my six-year-old daughter, Giselle, to stay in bed and I was yelling and yelling and then she was laughing in my face thinking it was absolutely hilarious. I couldn't get her to stay in a bed and in the end I, I slammed her bedroom door and then she got hysterical on the other side of the bedroom door. I opened it, I yelled at her, then I slammed the door again and I jammed her finger in the door by mistake. I felt terrible. I was like the worst mum in the world. Well, I'm feeling good because my son told me yesterday that I broke his heart in two and it would never mend. So this is good. We want honesty in this podcast because it is about how we manage to do life, but I never said anything about doing life perfectly because the truth is while we watch women like you do it all, we know that sometimes it all falls apart. That's Jessica Rowe on I Don't Know How She Does It, which is another podcast from the Mamma Mia podcast network. Find it on iTunes or on your podcast app. Well... That has been this glorious mess for this week. You can subscribe in, uh, in iTunes or listen in SoundCloud. And if you uh, leave us a review, uh, you have to do that in iTunes, not in the podcast app. So if you've got a minute in iTunes, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Reviews and star ratings definitely help. Spread the word. Yes, spread the word. Tell other people. Tell them, I'm listening to Holly and Andrew and they're messy ass. Yeah, because, like, you know, as the song goes, we're all in it together. And we are all in it we together. Are. So sometimes when we... When you and I talk about other people and the way they do things in a disparaging way, it's not meant in a disparaging God. way. God, have you seen the way I do things? Yeah, no, it's just trying to understand. <laughs> it's this celebration of the parenting process, and it's pretty good fun. So my name's Andrew Datto. It's been a pleasure being with you today. And I've been Holly Wainwright, and our episode was produced by Monique Bowley for the Mamma Mia Women's Network. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please email us at thisgloriousmess at mamamia.com.au. We have four websites. We have mamamia.com.au where you can read about what everyone's talking about today. Our brand new parenting site, themotherish.com. Our health and beauty site, The Glow. And Debrief Daily where the conversation goes next. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. 